WonderPod, episode 252. We are back to a trio. Actually, if I thought he was awake, I could make it a quad. Oh no, did he go offline? Uh, AJK was still online. We were playing games like two hours ago. <laughs> I think he finally passed out. He was getting pretty tired last I saw of him. Um, but joining me this week, as he always does, it's John. Hey, hey everybody. I'm uh, in... Preparation for for vacation mode. I have uh, two weeks, and I guess I I don't know if I don't even know if I dropped this bomb to you guys, but I am going on vacation to Disney in Florida um, in two weeks from tomorrow, so I will not be on the show for at least one week. All depends on how that Thursday goes. If we're busy packing and whatnot, but uh, but uh, yeah, Disney. Woo! Oh, finally get to comment on the humidity down here. I'm I'm excited for you. <laughs> I think Dang. you're going to suffer pretty fucking mightily is probably what's going to happen. <laughs> it got to be better than the cold. and the, Well, it's already damp here, but it's cold and damp rather than hot and damp. Somebody, I'm following somebody on Twitter that retweets anything to do with Minecraft, and he may be, it, it's fine, but it may be going away because it's junking up my feed too much. It's not spam, and a lot of, it's actually a lot of interesting stuff, but I saw a weather forecast for your town today. Because the tag, the guy's tag was, well, I guess I'll stay inside and play Minecraft. Because it mm-hmm. had like snowed yesterday and was supposed to rain today. Yeah, it's, or it, something like that. It's been pretty rainy and gray. It, it's been it's been hovering around five degrees Celsius, en- enough to melt the snow slowly, but not enough to call it. I mean, it's a, it's a typical early Newfoundland spring. Uh, also joining us, as you heard, it's Humidity Boy. It, it's actually got up to 90 Fahrenheit here in California this week um, already. But it can do that in late April. People, of course, are tying it into the massive drought we're having, yada, yada. And it's like, do people just even think before you open your mouth? It can get 90 in May, late April, early May, on just about any year. But... Since we're doing weather pod, how's the weather down in Louisiana this week? Well, last uh, last week was pretty bad. Uh, I don't know if you saw the viral video, or I don't know if it was even last. It was Monday, really. But uh, the winds were so bad here that it blew some train cars off a bridge. So. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, didn't Matt post about that? Uh, he might have. Might have. I think he did. You know, I, I, I'm starting to pay, although I've got some people in my friends list on Steam, or on Steam, and Facebook, that if I'm going to do this, I probably should <laughs> unfollow them or something. Whatever Facebook ripped off from somebody else and put on their service. I'm trying to pay more attention to at least my news feed on, on Facebook. I mean, it's mostly family and friends, but I did happen to, I thought somebody posted something about that, and so I did watch the video. That's pretty bad. Yeah, there was a couple of cyclones. On the uh, on the lake, and uh, <laughs> it was got pretty dicey here for a second. But yeah. the worst wind I've ever been in an area for was I think a hundred and five miles an hour, and it was mostly at night, so we really didn't even have to deal with it. It was at my friend's place north of here, out in the high desert country of uh, California, almost heading to Nevada. But that flipped over, uh, I've probably told the story on the podcast before, knowing me, that flipped over a grain trailer, and those things weigh several tons. I mean, it didn't have any grain in it, but they're 
it's an old one. <laughs> Let's put, let me put it like this, and I'm sure it happens all the time in Louisiana, even with more beefy stuff. It broke the wind gauge, the windometer <laughs> in the local area for the National Weather Service, and I think it broke at 105 miles an hour. Yeah, I think it was recorded uh, 111 mile per hour winds, the airport. That's yeah. just crazy. Yeah, and it was, it was just like a, a storm. Like, it wasn't a hurricane or anything, just just out of nowhere, just this really bad storm. Well, that's what's uncommon for, for the southeast. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, you that You get a lot of preparation. This, like, came in, like, a day, and then it was yeah. done. Yeah, I mean, we get winter storms here, and I'm sure John does, too, where, like, you, you're expecting super high winds, but you don't know exactly when they're going to land because they're not tracked like hurricanes. That sounds more to be like a, a, a foothills, northern California <laughs> winter storm than anything. Because yeah. even here in this valley I live in, the winds can get 60, 70 miles an hour. Well, well today it's super nice. So it's the calm like no, after. No, yeah, no humidity at all today. So oh, probably... I, love, I love those days in Alabama. They happen so rarely, but you could just tell when you woke up. Like you could oh, yeah. just feel a difference. Yeah, I mean, I'll probably go to Jazz Fest tomorrow, so hopefully I'll see Chicago tomorrow. Oh, that's right, Jazz Fest is still going on. Yep. Elton John's playing this weekend, too. And uh, who else played last week? uh, Lady Gaga and Tony Bennett. uh, The Uh Who played last weekend. Um, Gosh. I mean, Eric Clapton always comes down here, as well as uh, Led Zeppelin people. So it's always a good good time. Well, there's, you know, a lot of people have varied opinions about Clapton, but the one thing I've always at least had to respect about him, uh, a lot of UK musicians from his time period cite the blues as an influence, but Clapton really seemed to not only be influenced by it, but get involved with it. And so him being down in New Orleans kind of makes sense to me, you Mm -hmm. know, because a lot of, a lot of rock guitar from the sixties was heavily blues influenced. Oh yeah, the whole I mean, the whole genre is exactly. So, um, we're gonna start off with some stuff this week. Let's say we do something happy while I'm preparing. Uh, so I I find it kind of hipster ish of you. I will say that that was my snap analysis of the. This might be the only Kickstarter I ever invested in. <laughs> but here's the thing and this is how well I know these guys you may think because we've never met face to face we only see each other over the internet or not see each other but talk to each other over the internet I was playing an MMO with agent K and I saw that pop up on my Twitter stream because it was an MMO that I could actually use my second monitor you know it didn't shut down everything like some games do I saw that banjo and kazooie spiritual successor and I went well Let's see how long until Glacianator knows about it. And so, like, I waited, like, another 20 minutes, and I went to Facebook, and you had already posted. <laughs> I want to ask you, uh, mm-hmm. and, and then, John, I'll ask you, too. I don't think I've ever asked it in this way, um, so we can keep this short if I haven't just forgotten. What are you expecting, since it's, quote-unquote, a, a spiritual successor, and that gives them a lot of leeway to do different things? What do you mean, just in terms of spiritual successor, successor what, of the word? What, or are you, the... what are you, no, I shouldn't say what am I, what are you expecting? What are you hoping they make? I'm just hoping they make another 3D platformer in the same vein and humor as uh, Banjo-Kazooie. Uh, 
I mean, Banjo-Kazooie is a pretty silly game, but I mean, you have these gorgeous environments, you know, and all, all the environments are somehow interconnected and you can you know, go between worlds and it's like deconstructing a huge puzzle. So, I mean, really, I mean, looking at the trailer for this, it just seems almost like a updated reskin, which a lot of people are like complaining, oh, it's a new IP, but it's not a new idea. Blah, blah, blah. I, I'm fine with this, you know, because we haven't seen a 3D platformer a la Banjo-Kazooie since Banjo-Tooie. And we haven't seen one since Banjo Tooie since uh, since then. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, you can argue that oh, Mario Galaxies, uh, but I mean that's that's a totally different vein of platformer than you know these you know interconnected levels that Rare was so well known for. Well, this is that's what I was, that's what I was leading into because this is probably going to hurt you a little bit personally, Glaze. So I sort of mm. apologize up front, but. I just wonder what people's expectations are when they love a franchise that much. Because I saw you poo-pooing the, the Conquer thing, and I don't want to fucking get into it. I don't want to get into the whole <laughs> thing behind it. I don't care. Con- the rare you knew is dead. It, it's over. You know, if Microsoft wanted to offer something for five bucks to a game that's completely free otherwise that you could take or leave, I'm okay with that and always will be. But I saw a lot of people poo-pooing that, even though it was conquer himself and pat is a big rare fan and he seemed okay with it when he played it but also with the star wars battlefront stuff nobody's seen this game yet and they're flogging it nobody's touched it yet and all i've heard for years is i want more battlefront i want more battlefront i want more battlefront bottom line is you take out all this stuff where like especially you and i glaze don't agree on a lot of you know like like the conquer offering it's probably obvious we don't agree I just wonder what people expect when these things come up, because it seems like there's always this, I want it, I want it, I want it, somebody tries to give it to them, I don't want it, I don't want it, I don't want it, mm-hmm. you know, and I just, I can't understand. How this is different? Well, not even so much how it's different as how can you, how can you say one thing and then say the other so virulently, so quickly? Mm-hmm. Well, for me, the main difference between this and a battlefront, you know, the you know, remake and all that. Not even remake, but up whatever you want to call it. But I mean this seems more like a labor of love from the people that felt like they got slighted from their developer being sold. Right. Uh, so I mean you can tell all these people that are on this project are really passionate about this, you know, this is more of like a like like I say, a project, not you know, not a cash grab. So I mean these are this is the game that I think the people wanted to make, you know, they would I mean I'm sure they would love to make another a Banjo 3 as they would want to, but I mean that's been hijacked now. So, I mean, the only reason why this game is going to exist is because fans want it to, not because of money. I mean, I mean obviously money, of course. I mean there has to be some sort of incentive to make it, but well, I mean, so it feels was... more like a labor of love to me than a you know, cash grab. That was the other thing that Conquer got got to me about Conquer. It's five bucks. That ain't a cash grab for a game that's not doing well, and they they released it anyway. They could have repackaged that. The but I, I I can agree to disagree with you on that one. That one, yeah, does it qualify as a cash grab in some sense? Yes, but I really don't get it with the Battlefront stuff. Dice is a good developer. All of this bullshit is because it's EA. Well, guess what? We got a story, or we got we got me ranting coming up here in a minute about a company you all supposedly fucking love that tried to do you dirty and only stopped for one reason and one reason only, you know. So I'm I'm always really leery. I'm I'm quite okay with you calling it a cash grab, thinking it's a cash grab. Never think I'm not. 
I'm just always leery of calling it that. But the thing mm-hmm. you keyed in on that I absolutely 100% can agree with is the passion behind it. And I'm starting to wonder if that's because it's small studios. It's yeah, I mean, it's studios... a lot more personal. I mean, you can you can put a face to, like, who Fs it up, you know? <laughs> Whereas with a larger developer, it's like, oh, it was just a, a failure across the whole board, you know? This, you know, you can attach something to a person. This is who is making it. You know, this is why we want to make it. Right, and I, and I wonder if we're being fair because I'm pretty sure the in, individual developers at DICE work ever bit as hard as this oh of course you know and so i just i get really leery and really tired of the high mind just saying want it want it want it do not want it do not want it do not want it the minute they get it i mean nobody's even played a single scintilla of this battlefront game but because it doesn't have space com because it's not star wars battlefront 2 and that's the other thing like you said you know what you started to call it a, a remake it's like mm-hmm. that's what people want. They're calling it a remake derisively, but they're also saying it's not Star Wars Battlefront 2, so I'm not going to play it. <laughs> it's like I'm just trying to understand is really all I'm trying to do. Yes, I rant. Yes, I act, I act like a grumpy asshole. But honestly, people, a lot of the time, the reason I'm grumpy is because I'm just trying to understand this shit. Why people are so upset. And because they don't make a lot of fucking sense. When I hear for years and years, that's a, if Valve has any brains at all, they'll never make Half-Life 3. <laughs> because it's not going to survive. It won't be this pumped-up perception that people have of what it should be. It's It can never survive. But I'm happy you're getting it. You know, the, the Conquer thing is a sticking point for you. I understand that. I, I, I do feel some sympathy for you. Uh, I don't feel some sympathy for people who are like, oh, look what Microsoft did as a last minute to save a flailing game. Dude, he was in the trailer at E3 two years ago. How did you not know this was going to happen? <laughs> it's amazing how fast people's memory goes away. I think this is a whole planet of Alzheimer's patients, and it just has to reach a certain point before you can't fend for yourself anymore. John, for you, re- Spiritual Successors remakes, what do you hope for... Uh, are you willing to play things even if it maybe didn't come as close as your dream or as close as your hopes were because you want to support people that are trying to do it? I mean, what's your whole take on this thing? Well, I mean, I, I come into the the banjo kazooie spiritual successor with a pretty blank slate, to be honest. I, I don't I don't know if if I ever play. But I just meant in general. It, you could talk about Banjo or any of the ones we talked about specifically oh. if you want, but I just meant in general. We all have our favorite franchises that, you know, have gone away or whatever. Handle it however you want, but I just didn't want you to think you were limited to talking about the Banjo one. Oh, no, no, no. It's just, I, this, that game in particular, I, I, this is like, what, like, while you've been talking a bit, I've been kind of perusing the, uh, the, the trailer that, well, the, not really the trailer, but the, the IGN video they showed some still shots and as far as that game goes it looks attractive to me but I mean I'm not I, I haven't been personally pining for a remake or a redo or you know a, a, a sequel to Banjo Kazooie as long as it's a good game I mean it's all I want whatever the, whatever game might come out from a particular developer as long as it's good and and fresh to me I mean I'm I'm willing to give it a shot um, you know for me to have the opinion of you know, yay or nay, based on whether it's a remake or not. Like, I kind of, I, I do appreciate fresh IPs. I've talked about that lots of times before. Like, and, you know, I like fresh ideas and stuff. But as long as 
if 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 it's a if it's a if it's a remake that's fresh to me, I probably wouldn't have as much of of a, of a problem with it if it was something that I was overly familiar with. Uh, but but this game, you know, I, I I look at this and I see something that Peter would probably like to play, and 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 probably play together. Um, so that that's cool to me. But uh, you know, as far as like you know the backlash of the hive mind, as you say, you know. <laughs> I, I I can see why people like snicker and 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 dismiss it, dismiss a remake. Uh, I mean, I have in the past myself, uh, but you know, there's still a bit of haters going to hate in that as well. Like, is, is this going to ha- is this going to you're going to get that backlash from the hive mind because that's what people do. But I, uh, you know, if 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 it looks good to me and it looks fresh and I'm and I'm not bored with the concept or you know, if I think it's tired, I, I'll give it a shot. I think, I think I would. I, I mean, I understand to a point that I'm trying to understand things that are there's there's no sense to. Kay and I have been making fun of each other for the last two days in this kind of anime MMO we've been playing. That just if you try and apply any logic to it, you you ruin it for yourself. But it's a fun game. But at the same time, I can keep screaming and screaming and screaming and screaming and screaming about how people are wrong here, how people are wrong there. The more rational ones, I, I want to attempt to now understand a little better. You know, the the, the conquer thing I can pass over, the, or, or, you know, I can just easily ignore. I feel bad for my friends who are longtime Rare fans, but I also accept that Rare's dead and gone. Long live the king. The Battlefront thing makes no sense to me, other than the fact that it's EA. Beginning, end of topic, right there. That it's EA is why gamers are in such a snit. You know, I mean, the Funhouse team, uh, who's now connected with Rooster Teeth, they did an in-depth list of all these things that were popping up on Reddit that weren't in it, that were going to, you know, it's going to be sold off as DLC, this, that, and the other thing. And one of their guys had played a little bit, or had been shown a little bit, of it being played on a PS4, and they just slaughtered the internet. And you know what happened? I went back to their YouTube video like an hour later, and those guys are some of the funnest guys to watch, and they're so friendly, and their YouTube video has just been bombed with downvotes because that's how the hive mind, you know, makes itself known, I guess. Uh, and so I, I just, I think my new thing is just going to be preaching patience, something I don't have in video games <laughs> oftentimes. Um, maybe in general, but because is there potential that, that Conquer was just a cash grab? Maybe. Is there potential that Star Wars Battlefront's just a crappy remake with stuff left out to be sold as DLC? Maybe. But there's so much more important things going on in gaming that we as gamers should focus on than teaser trailers and little games that, you know, like Project Spark that you can still play absolutely free. You just have to pay for the conquer stuff. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's not it's not ruining your game, and I mean, this is really probably not going to make Glacenator happy. But for five bucks, if it had been slightly better than what Pat was kind of indicating, I might have tried it just because conquer. But it's not going to be the same. I know that because the, the N sixty four conquer is the most rude, foul thing that's probably ever appeared on a Nintendo console. You can't replace that kind of childish humor. That teddy bear game that I was a little hyped for and then it went down in a pit of flames, tried it, and failed miserably. 
You know, there's only one Conqueror's Bad Fur Day. And I guess maybe to a certain extent, Glace, I'm, maybe I'm kind of glad Rare never got a chance to make sequels of it because I think it would have just watered down what Conquer is. Well, they did make mm-hmm. one sequel, though, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, they did, yeah. And it was kind of garbage, if I remember right. But I'm glad you're. I'm glad it's getting made. More 3D platformers are, are, are okay. And I actually have to say that uh, which one was on 360, Glace? I know I have to ask you every time, but I played too many games. 3D platformer on 360. No, which which banjo game was on 360? Oh, they made uh, Nuts and Bolts. Is that the one that I got on the arcade and played? Uh, well, they, re- they re-released uh, Kazooie and maybe Tui and, on and arcade. Two, yeah, as arcades, yeah. yeah, for sure. Okay, I played one of those. And I actually have to say, as somebody who fails miserably at platformers and then gets frustrated by them so quits playing them, I didn't finish it, but I had a lot of fun playing it. I kind of bought it as like a tip of the hat to Glaze because he loves the franchise so much. When my friends love a franchise so much, I know there's going to be at least something there for me. Well, not in all cases, but most cases. And so I kind of bought it for that reason because I had never played it. Um, And I I had a lot of fun with what I played of it. I think I made it about halfway through. Kind of reminded me almost a little bit. The one I played kind of almost reminded me of some of the later Zeldas. Just in feel, just in kind of how I was like happy. I was happy and I was having a good time, and I wasn't really too worried about getting to this checkpoint very fast, and I wasn't worried about when I failed. You know, yeah. I mean, it's it's a go at your own pace game. I mean, there's, yeah, no, exactly. there's no timers. There's no you have to do it in this order. You know, you need to level this up. You know, it's just you just go through it and you collect the stuff you want to collect to progress. And if you die, you die. Whatever. It's yeah. a very it has a very good learning curve, which is what I think attracted me the most as a kid. It definitely does, and and I hope they get that in the spiritual successor because I like complicated games. I like thinking. I play MMOs and survival games where you're just you're worn out when you're done playing it, and I kind of like that. I like the sense of accomplishment, but it's not for everybody. But I also tell you that having games around that are just pure unadulterated fun, I hope that never ever ever goes away in ever you know in, in at least some forms, whether it's indie or what, because those are always Nice palate cleansers, as John calls it. I never thought that term would apply to video games, but it made so much sense the first time John said it years back, and it still makes <laughs> sense today. Because I do that now. If I'm getting too frustrated with something I'm doing, even something I'm putting on YouTube, I'll go play something that's just dumb and fun and have a blast with it for a couple hours and feel a lot better about things in general. But Yeah, just turn 90 degrees. Yeah, exactly. Or 180. One of those. We're not, I almost said we're not, we're not geologists. <laughs> we're not math people here. Um, okay, the next one, this, huh? No, I, I think the, 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 it dropped off for, for a second for me. Oh, oh, that's because Glace went out of the call. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Now he's back. Yeah, we're going to have some internet issues. You know, the funny thing, actually, for you at the audience at home, John said that last time, I'm probably cut it out of the show. I don't know what's going on. Because the show came through loud and clear, you hmm. cut out once. I had to cut you off. I had to cut you out once, or cut some stuff out once where you weren't making sense, um, or where where it was just kind of garbled. But here was what was weird about it: it was actually showing very faint lines on the audio, <laughs> which if usually if we cut out, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It was really strange. I, I'm audio nerds will probably find that more interesting than <laughs> than anybody else. But yeah, so yeah, so Banjo Kazooie, if you liked it, go help it on Kickstarter. Go 
buy it when it's out. I, I, I probably will, unless it, unless they're going to give me a bunch of time limits and stuff. Then probably not. But if it's if it's if it has that same play style as banjo, the banjo I played on 360, then I'll probably buy it just to play it in my spare time. Um, okay, so the next one is the mod thing. Now, Glaze, did you? I take it you heard about this at least. You weren't here last week, so you didn't hear us talk about it. I listened to a bit of the podcast. So. Okay. Yeah, well, here's my timeline on it for Valve Remove Paid Mods Tuesday. Saturday morning when I got up, Agent K texted me and said, look at the reviews on Steam for Skyrim. I said, okay. And, and w- with a much longer text bitching about paid mods. And so I did, and it had gone from overwhelmingly positive, which is Steam's way of saying 100%. To roughly what was calculated later by a fo- somebody I follow on Twitter to about ninety percent in six hours. So the hive mind and their button clicking <laughs> was out in force, um, and so I had a sense that this wasn't just going to die quietly. I thought that's the way it was going to go. It's what I said on the show last week that this was just die quietly off on its own, and that was not what happened. It might have if Gabe Newell hadn't been brave enough slash dumb enough to do a, a, a AMA on Reddit <laughs> and got freaking eviscerated. I I swear Gabe <laughs> thought that you keep waiting for you keep waiting for me to call him when I called him in the Facebook chat, aren't you, John? I'm not. I gonna, am. I am. Yeah. I'm not going to do it on the show. I I'm I, I'm I'm actually personally starting to feel bad about fat jokes. I called him a neckbeard in our Facebook. I was pretty mad when I wrote it, um, or pretty just tired of the situation. Uh, if I'm uh, if I'm cranky or angry, the, yeah, the name calling will become more. I'm pretty calm about this anymore. Uh, and it, but I guess he thought that his goodwill that his company has had traditionally had would save him and Reddit. And that was not the case. It's the only AMA transcript I've read from start to finish. And, and the funny thing is, is I ended fe- up feeling kind of sorry for him by the time it was all said and done. Um, so it's gone. Uh, and the first thing I need to say is, gamers, pay attention to this. This is the right time to use your outrage. We've had at least 35 outrages since January of 2015 that did not deserve to be outrages, including some we were just talking about. This was the proper one. This was a mistake on Valve's part. But where I'm going to differ from everybody else is I need to clarify some things or at least give my opinion on some things because I think people are arguing for certain things, but they're not understanding that that never happens that way. First up out of the gate is the people wailing about the 75% for Steam and Bethesda, and 25% for creators. Now, in most cases, and it's why you see so many com- uh, pundits and, and commentators on the internet arguing uh, against publishers for developers and studios, 25% splits pretty damn good in just about any form of business imaginable. Hate to tell you this, but it's pretty true. I mean, there's a lot of dev studios that have never gotten that good a deal on licensing rights and other things. And so these people just gnashing their teeth at greedy corporations. It's fine if you want to gnash at them (laughs) for being greedy. That's total fair game. Have at it. 
But I got this sense as I went along through the week that people seem to think that split was low for gaming in general. And maybe it's a little low, but these people that think companies get 50-50 splits on licensing rights, on creations, on anything that they license, are you kidding me? Yeah, wrong, big time wrong. <laughs> Glace, you're the most artist person we got here. I'm not wrong, am I? I mean, I even did some reading on this in case I'd lost it somewhere along the way. Because I got... Yeah, I mean, huh? you're, totally, you're totally right. Yeah, I mean, I thought that was high. <laughs> I honestly thought that was high. I didn't mm-hmm. like thinking it was high. See, that's again, and I'm going to keep doing this now on the podcast from here on out. Just because I thought it was high doesn't mean I like it. That's the other thing we do as gamers and as the internet these days. Just because I think something doesn't mean I f- feel that that's correct. I'd love for content creators to be able to get every dime they're worth, but it's just not going to happen. <laughs> um, the second thing I want to bring up is this isn't over. The internet was acting like the end of Return of the Jedi. They were acting like a bunch of Ewoks dancing around on the forest moon. Like they'd beaten the giant corporations and this was never going to happen again. Pandora's out of the fucking box. Somebody has tried this. Others will try it too. Probably those shitbags at EA and Ubisoft (laughs) would be my guess. As soon as one tries it, they all go running like a stampeding herd of lemmings to try and monetize more stuff. So I just really wish the internet would get that it's great you outrage you got out your virtual pitchforks and torches and your cheeto covered fingers downvoted skyrim and then you act like we won no we didn't (laughs) we never fucking win (laughs) um also to tie into that so gamers you outraged and you got rid of the paid mods here's something you should do you entitled dicks how about you donate to some of these people Even Agent K and I, somebody who play a lot of mods and who do actually donate to creators we like, admitted to ourselves and then talked about it on Skype that we're dicks and don't donate enough. And guess what? That's not going to happen. This is where gamers are are wrong. They want shit for free. They were calling creators entitled. They were calling companies greedy. And to a point, they are correct. But they're no better. I'm always going to shout that because I know damn good and well. People are not going to donate more because of this scare. And so modders are going to go looking for a way to make money at it again. See, point one of this isn't over. Uh, and my final thing, or well, one of my things is, uh, Valve, you idiots, you do not have any kind of quality control system built in place to do this. Your green light and early access is a disaster. I know, I know everybody loves it when I mention Jim fucking Sterling's son, but go watch his goddamn Squirty Play videos. You want to see some of the most broken, outrageous messes on Steam? Whether you like the dude or not, he has a great catalog of shit that has no business being sold from a platform like Steam. And you're also ruining the reputation of the Unity 5 and 4 engine at the same time, you jerks, using store-bought assets and half-assed art that I could draw better than that. Everybody's seen how I can draw. That is not good. Um, Okay, and so I'm done with my rant there, but I do have one specific thing I want to ask you guys, then you can 
then we'll kind of, I'll kind of open the floor to you to comment about any of it. Uh, John, we'll start with you. Is it just me, or am I correct in thinking that all that separates Valve from EA, Ubisoft, Activision, pick the giant company you hate the most, is the fact that Valve has some understanding of public perception? Or cares about it? Mm-hmm. I seem to care a little bit about it. And, and enough, enough to recognize something I wouldn't, I don't, quick enough to, to make the change, I guess. I mean, maybe it's a bit of knee-jerk, but <clears throat> you know, they're willing to see if there's a see if there's a problem and not not hold too steadfast to it uh, there's a little bit of that perception i mean they do yeah i mean that's what it is maybe it's a perception that they have that, that, that they're a little more uh on the up and up um you know with with you know some, some of their pricing sometimes with the sales and stuff and then being making things accessible and trying new things you know but i, I, th- I think it's perception i i have a hard time having as much respect for them as I did uh, like seven days ago, though. They're more on the up and up, as you say. But this type of situation... I guess the other thing I should have mentioned, and John, if you want to add to your answer after I say this, I apologize for not bringing it up. The other problem that was going on is they weren't checking mods very well, and some mods were appearing for 6 and $7 USD that didn't even work. Or just gave yeah. free hairstyles. <clears throat> yeah, that's that's quality control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're totally right. I mean, you, you got to regulate this stuff. We talked about that with the uh, the recommendations and all that, that that whole system that they put in that time. Oh yeah, yeah. They they got to they got to regulate that that shit and make it so it's not a complete wild west. Well, their mistake. The, the they made a thing called curators, and I really wish they'd prop prop that up more. I wish they'd talk about that more because people who are important enough to be curators, like Jim, sorry, mentioned him again, and Frankie on PC, that YouTuber I like, and a couple other YouTubers I like, or I, the, that I watch a lot of their stuff, they're all curators on Steam. And I, as much many games I play, as often as I am on Steam, I miss games. Well, hell, as often as I am on YouTube, too. And so having those curators is kind of nice because you can learn if you trust this person or you have similar taste than, as they do. Mm-hmm. And and Valve does no no publicity whatsoever on their curator system. That's just weird to me. Glace, same question. Is Valve more aware of public perception or cares about it? Blah, blah, blah. I think what Valve has is transparency. Whether or not that transparency is an illusion... <laughs> I'm starting to think it is a little bit. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that that's up to the individual. But, uh, I mean, I can't imagine any other major, you know, not develop, I guess maybe developer, but person like like Gabe Newell going onto a Reddit post as himself and being like, hey, what's up, guys? You know, like, what'd I can't think, see What do you think about that? <laughs> you know, like, like, oh, hey, I'm the head of EA. You know, I'm blah, blah, blah. What's going on? You know, it just, that just would not happen with any other company. So... Well, I mean, whether or not that solves anything in the end, you know, that's that could be debated. But I mean, at least they do look like they try to make some sort of right out of a wrong, even if it doesn't actually do anything. Well, they're starting to lose that. One of the things they're going to have to do, because this mod thing was only a temporary hit to their uh, 
say, reputation. This will be fairly quickly forgotten, I would suspect. The biggest problem they have where they're not too transparent is there's a lot of um, fixing going on with Steam Greenlight and with developers deleting, banning for bad comments when their games are crap. And Valve seems to have turned a blind eye to it. And it's really bad form no matter what company you are. So while I, I still think of Valve as a good company, I'm starting to become suspicious of their motives to a certain extent. I think Gabe Newell's just got nuts the size of basketballs, honestly. I mean, as much as I've slagged him off a lot <laughs> from the moment he walked Hear that, John? I said walked. <laughs> Walked out on stage at that Sony press conference on Forward. I guess it just finally dawned on me that they're like everybody else and have their time, have their ability to be hypocrites or change their minds, however you'd like to term it. Pat's right and that it's not necessarily a, a hypocrite, but, you know, hold a long-standing opinion and then do a 180 because, well, because somebody wrote you a big enough check. You know, I mean, oftentimes I have to think of these in terms of what would I do for X amount of money, <laughs> you know, because we all have a prize. But I, I guess one more question I want to ask you guys, and I'm going to start with you, Glaze, because you're a content creator and, and, and work in a medium that, that is kind of licensed based, kind of can be catch as catch can if you're an independent artist or graphic designer. Is there a way to regulate and make it proper for modders to make money? Or, or is this just too big a bucket of worms? To As I say, that's like the hugest can of worms. Like, you're going to need a bigger boat. Sort of. <laughs> way <laughs> bigger boat. There. I mean, this is part of the reason why I don't like, when we talk about Minecraft, on how, how I opposed I am to modding. And it's not that, like, oh, I hate mods. You know, it's just that, you know, once you let one mod in, whether it's to add to your game or to like have in the marketplace, you know, then you can't really draw a line in the sand with any other mod. So the same thing goes for like paying these creators of the mods, you know, does the person who makes the poop on a stick mod in Skyrim, how does, what percentage does he get compared to the guy that reskins the entire, you know, map? Makes it's it just, look photorealistic. Yeah, it's just, there's they're so... It's such a landmine, not landfield of different things that are being made <laughs> that you can't really. <laughs> I, you mean, got I, it. I have no, I have no answer for this. Like, there's no. no right way to answer this. You got so you don't. You, it's such a mess or such a messy proposition that there's probably not a system in place, or you could probably you probably couldn't develop a system to regulate it all. Mm -hmm. I mean, the only thing I can think of is if you go through the person who publishes the game directly, but I mean, that involves the, the, you know, the publisher being involved after the game has been completed, you know, and continuing to update this mod marketplace, which I don't think a lot of games would be willing to sit through. And, and even then, then a, a profit of that's going to go back to the game. So people would still be complaining that the content creator is not getting all he deserves. So it's, I don't know. I really don't have the answer. <laughs> I like how you said landfield. I'm going to start using that one. That was funny. <laughs> John, how about you? Is there anything Glace and I are missing that could somehow make this a workable proposition that 
Still gonna piss people off. Make no mistake. But might so the, be more fair and equitable. So the modders gonna make some money. After yeah. Doing? I don't know. I mean, again, it would come down to some sort of a quality control or 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 screening process to to decide what con maybe what content is worth a couple bucks or not. But I don't know if that's something that they're gonna be willing to do. Um, <clears throat> but there's uh, other ways to do it. You know, other than making it fully independent, where you go, where somebody holds on to their own, holds on to their mod rather than posting it to Steam. But that's not going to happen because no one's going to see it, right? You know, so it's it's tough. Well, that's the other can of worms, though, and that's what Glace was kind of alluding to. And Glace, you know, it's funny with you. I think you just you have such a certain feeling when you're playing vanilla Minecraft and building your amazing structures that I can't possibly build. Um, although in the current mod I'm playing, building a square building is the smartest thing because you're going to be rebuilding it about 20 fucking times before you get anywhere. Fucking common kitties! Um, goddamn bastards. I, I think that's more the thing with you Minecraft because there's so many mods out there that I play that I think you would like if you played them. But it does change so much inherently of what Minecraft is. But that's the other problem. What John just stated, and John's not ignorant of it, but what John just stated is what a lot of people believe in total because they're not as into mods. They don't understand that outside of the Steam Workshop exists a whole community of mod mods and modders for thousands of PC games that you can search using Google. And that's where it becomes an even bigger issue. It's literally millions of mods. I would bet you in the year 2014, I either installed or at least played for 20 minutes several hundred mods. Now, that may sound like a really high number or a really b bullshit statement, but I play a lot of mods. And part of the modding experience is if you want to do X in game Y, sometimes you have to go through four or five mod variables before you find the one that fits what you're looking to do. <laughs> and, and, and to a certain extent, that's part of the appeal of it, but that, I think, too, is something people missed, and you, you summed it up really well, John, because that, that Steam as a platform does them, but there's also... <laughs> Just go type in mods in a Google search sometime, people. <laughs> I think that's what I'm going to tell you. <laughs> any final thoughts on any of that, gentlemen? Either of you. Open floor, whatever you want to say. <laughs> well, for me, um, you know, mod mods is a, are a cool idea, I guess, if you're in, into that scene. Uh, I, I can't, I mean, I can't say that I'm, I, I'm a, I'm, I've ever installed a mod, I wouldn't say. To any any game, I mean, unless you count, unless you call DLC mods, but um, you know, it's not a community that I've been really much of a part of. So I, maybe I don't have a whole lot of maybe my my opinions on it aren't, aren't that <clears throat> aren't that valid. I don't know, but it's uh, it's something that people put a lot of work into. That. Some some people put a lot of work into it. You know, it's too bad that they can't put it into something that's their own rather than a something that piggybacks on something on somebody else's game you know i mean it's 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 a it's an artistic outlet i suppose but it's it's too bad that that's that not their own that they can and they can make their own uh 25 or less on it well 
you do have that. And there's one other thing I should probably. Oh no, no, I'm gonna. Glaze, do you have any final thoughts? And then I'll say this because I think John might find it interesting. Well, I mean that's okay. I mean I'm still really undecided on this whole issue because I, mean, I I really do see both sides, and I I, I do really too. Don't, I don't want to pick a side yet at all. I mean I know some mod creators, and I've played mods pretty much my entire PC existence. Um, what I think the only thing that upsets me about them is I wish they were easier because. They extend your experience so much, and I've seen mods for every game, at least one one game per crew member. And the extended WPO crew, Quiglin, who is, is like John, just wants to play games on his PC, doesn't want to tinker with stuff. Um, but I, I never mention it because I know it would be such a pain in the ass for them. And most of you guys are such nice people that you either wouldn't want to ask me to help you or would feel bad about asking me to help you, or something along those lines, um, because you know it does. It requires sometimes talking to somebody that knows more about it, um, which you guys should never be afraid to ask me anything. But except where babies come from, because I don't know, uh, you know. But but mods being easier. But here's the other thing that I think is interesting, and why the mod community will always be around. And why people were wrong for saying that, oh, maybe some won't have to go on full-time slave, game, slave labor game development. Agent K told me, told me that pretty much everybody at the studio he works for and for the company he works for that's under the age of ancient, which is what he calls me, has pretty heavy modding experience in their background. It's always a humongous plus if you're going to make games. And in some cases... Like John was talking about making their own thing, that's how Daisy Standalone came along. You know, it started as an Arma 2 mod. Daisy Standalone's a flaming pile of shit. <laughs> I haven't bought it, and I never will, because I've got better mods to play than that. <laughs> that is the downside, though, too, John, of it sometimes. Mm -hmm. Daisy Standalone kind of got in that corporate environment with Bohemia, and then it's ma the main brain behind it, uh, Rocket, left. Dean Hall. And it's just kind of become a festering pile of garbage. It's basically a death, survival death match is really all it's become. So that's enough about mods. Next one. Um, did you guys see that Konami is just finally coming unspun altogether? <laughs> I don't know what the hell's going on with those guys. Well... I'm going to mention him three times in the show, so if he appears behind me and stabs me in the neck with a knife, we'll know that he was evil, like some people have told me. A long time ago, I'm saying a long time ago because it was 2012, so, and to most fucking people on the internet, that was 300 years ago. Uh, Jim Sterling and the entire Destructoid website got blacklisted by Konami. The reason they got blacklisted is he did an interview with developers making a Metal Gear Solid game for, I want to say, the PSP or Vita. I don't remember. But I think it was a handheld. And it was quite literally the only coverage that the game was getting. Um, I should have wrote down the damn game because you guys would know it if I, if I mentioned it because it didn't do shit. And... The heads, the, the the bosses at Konami would not allow it. And so Jim let them have it in a video, and they blacklisted Jim. It didn't do much, 
because he still got shown their games at E3s after that. Somebody just sneak him in a side door when none of the muckety bucks were looking. Um, you know, and, and destructoid. Point being, so I'll stop talking about him and stop annoying people. I kind of knew that something was wrong at Konami back in 2012. It just took three years for the whole thing to just go kerflooey. Unravel. Um, Glace, you first. Any general thoughts on what's been going on at Konami? I do have a specific question for you guys at the end, but just any thoughts. I mean, what... I mean this it just seems like an implosion. Just straight up. <laughs> John? <laughs> it's, like I said, this seems to be unraveling bit, bit by bit, cancellation by cancellation, weird comments by weird comments. It's just weird. Okay, so now I guess I will explain. I, I always forget we're doing, we're doing a podcast to people who aren't looking at news stories and usually don't. You heard all the rumors that we talked about with Hideo Kojima. Who is officially fired at this point? I think pretty much everybody at Konami is officially fired at this point. Um, starting to seem that way. Okay, so that whole mess happened. Then they can't. They they yoinked the PT demo off of uh, Sony, delisted it. Although if you do have that, ah, let me say that again. English is hard. If you have ever downloaded it on your PS4, you can re-download it. So. That's probably going to cut into the market of people trying to sell PS4s with PT preloaded on eBay for $1,800. That's retarded, by the way. <laughs> $1,800. I checked eBay before the show, just before you hopped on Skype, John. $1,800 was the most I saw one going for. Listed for. No bids. Yeah. It happens every time, though. It's Flappy Bird all over again. I mean, I had more fun watching people play the PT demo on YouTube than I ever would have playing it. Um, so the PT demo got yanked after all the Kojima stuff, then Silent Hills got canceled. Why you cancel something with Hideo Kojima and Norman Reedus and Guillermo del Toro? Why do these people have these names? Can't I just call them Bob and Fred and Tim? Uh, but actually, I've been doing that all day in anime MMO because I can't pronounce those either. Um, and so then Konami voluntarily delisted itself from the New York Stock Exchange. Now, if you don't know what a delisting means, it essentially means that they're no longer a publicly traded company, and it's usually the first sign that the Titanic has hit the iceberg. It's time for Celine Dion to sing My Heart Will Go On. And <laughs> I like that line. I just thought of it. I... <laughs> somebody will point out an episode where I've said it once before. That's usually how it works for me. I just recycle everything. Um, and so basically we're left with what the fuck is going on in Konami. You see these guys' general reaction because it's we do this stuff all the time and I can't even decide what to think. Which leads me to the only thing I can think. Remember when THQ went belly up and they had several good uh, franchises? And those got bought out by several companies, some of which meant new games, and some of those games were good. Um, and others got life. Does that sound like the best option at this point, that some of these long-beloved franchises get in somebody else's hands before these idiots get any dumber? Glace, you first. Uh, I, mean, I, I mean, that's a... You can go two ways there. I mean, you have instances... Uh... 
with like Donkey Kong. Well, I mean, where Donkey Kong has been passed off uh, to Retro Studios, and that's been going great. I mean, then you have instances like Conquer, and whether or not you like that or not, it's up to you. But I mean, I think the majority of people would say that's been a waste of a you know of a of a franchise. So I mean, it really depends on who you give it to, you know. Sorry, I was taking a big old drink of water. You caught me right in the middle. That <laughs> was, was on purpose. It's, yeah, you're, you're, you've got your Jedi mind powers are working pretty good. You've almost got me twice. Um, you, I, I should point out, as much as I don't have a problem with the Conquer thing, you are right, they have wasted a franchise. I 100% agree with you on that. But I just, I, I'm looking out for the best of the franchises because this silent hills actually sounded like something i wanted to play it was still not enough to buy a ps4 for so i just was john what do you think is it is it just time for konami to be gone even though they're a long time company and 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 somebody else get a hold of these properties or or do you see them being able to pull the airplane up four feet off the ground i don't know man it seems like they need some so new management, or or just somebody at the at the at the at the wheel who's I don't know can see the forest for the trees and and just stop the bullshit, get through the bullshit, and just focus on making game and stop this being silly and secretive and I don't know, just make it happen. I mean, they have, they have properties that could that can make them some cash. I don't know. I don't know why. You know, this it always seems to go so so sideways for them. Well, that's why I mentioned you know who, and again, whether you like him or not, you should go watch his supplementary Jimquisition this week because he details the games he thinks they just criminally ignored when releasing. Um, and that's what has me concerned, and why I wonder if you know, bye bye Konami IP sale IP sale is not the best option because this has legitimately been going on for two plus years where they're just slowly, you know, running the ship further into the ground. Because I don't know about for, I don't know about for you guys, but I was hesitant when all the THQ's properties got sold and that seems to have worked out for the best overall. So it to me is a now a legitimate option. I mean, I'm not saying Konami's going out of business either, but Glace, does did that whole THQ thing, some of these properties getting to different people like Retro Studios, did that kind of open your eyes to maybe that's an option sometimes with some franchises, even if it does cause the wasting of franchises like Conquer, like um, uh, Resident Evil? Remind me what franchises THQ uh, gave off. Uh, I think it was Saints Row. Let me see what their old franchises were. Hang on. They had, they had Darksiders. Darksiders. Fran- uh Darksiders, Saints Row, Company of Heroes, Homefront, which the first one was garbage. The second one's probably never going to see the light of day because we don't know if uh, Crytex. And all those got re-releases or they're being worked on. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, uh, I mean it's, it's really, it's anyone's game. I mean, if you go to a good publisher, a good developer, I mean, you're, you're golden. But, I mean, if you, get, if you get a bad one, I mean, that's really all it comes down to. But it does seem like a more legitimate strategy, yes or no? Uh, I mean strategy in, in terms of what in terms of a good game or in terms of money in terms of a good game uh i mean like i said i mean i'd say it's 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 depends on where you go to so i mean i'd say it's 50 50 depending on who's buying who's sell, who's buying the stuff up 
I mean, the most of these were most of these were pretty much uh, good good companies. Saints Row was sold to Koch Media, which is oh shit! I knew used to know their former well, I, their former PR gal is a follower of mine on Twitter. God damn it! I can't think of it. They also make uh, they also make Dead Island, but we won't hold that against them. Darksiders got sold to Nordic Games. Company Heroes got sold to Sega. WWE series got sold to Take Two, and the WWE franchise still looks pretty good. I mean, it's kind of maddenish, but yeah, I, th- I think the new game is done okay, as far as I can tell. The Red Faction series got sold to Nordic Games, and the Red Faction series, one of those is pretty bad. But I played one free on a free weekend, and I played the others, and they're pretty good. Uh, South Park Stick of Truth got sold to Ubisoft which is probably one of the few things Ubisoft hasn't fucked up in the last couple of years. So, to my mind, Glace, you're absolutely right in concept, but at least in this case, that's probably why it gives me positive... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd say that's all That's all pretty good. <laughs> I mean, what, what you said. All those games were not bad. Yeah, but, I mean... I, mean I, I, think, I think that was pretty lucky that all those games got brought to the right people. Well, I mean, the Homefront series... That was a game that had potential, and it just got missed. I'm afraid that Crytek has had so many problems that it didn't do well enough. It wasn't good enough the first time. I'd, I'd hesitate to call it bad, but it wasn't good either. It was very, very mediocre. And a broken multiplayer, or broken a lot of nights, didn't help things any. It, it, definitely, it definitely made me quit playing the game, because there was no replayability in the single player. If Crytek hadn't had financial issues, I'd be more interested in the the home front game they're supposedly developing. But the home front one is the one that I really think is the stinker out of this whole bunch. Um, but John, I mean, after having Glaces Island, Glacen, <laughs> Glace Island, Glace and I batting it back and forth, mm-hmm. what do you think of this as a strategy? If Konami does do what it seems like it's going to do. So, uh, yeah, I I don't know. I, I mean, these franchises that Konami have, I, I I you know, Metal Gear without Konami is not as weird as Metal Gear without Kojima. To you know, to, as someone who's played the almost all the games in in the series, it just it would seem a little, a little bit weird. Um, but the as a strategy, you know, I mean, if if they if they need some short term cash and they needed to pass some things off and or if they're spending too much money on what they're doing, I, I, I guess it makes sense as a strategy, but it doesn't. It just seems that you're leaving money on the table for uh, for the amount of buzz that PT got, and I got maybe the cost has got too extraordinary or not. I don't know, but it's just it just seems like money left on the table for them. I I don't I don't. You bring up an interesting point. Doing it before you're officially DOA or KIA. Pick your term. That's yeah, I see that as far more of a of a bad idea. Because you're not as a bankruptcy court's probably going to try and make as much money as it possibly can for creditors. Which means you're going to really have to have some passion. Maybe that's part of it, Glaze. You know, because the bankruptcy court, its job is to get all the creditors paid off as best they can. And so they're going to make sure that it sells for a decent amount, which generally tends to mean somebody who really wants to do something with it is going to buy it versus cash grab. Um, but honestly, my hope beyond hope, if Konami does go by down, down by the bow, 
is Kojima can get a hold of his properties. Not the ones that weren't so great, like Ender's series or whatever that one was. But like Silent Hill and, and well, Kojima didn't really, well, I want him to get a hold of Silent Hill and Metal Gear and, you know, because I think he could do ever bit as good, if not even fucking crazier, on his own now. That's actually something I should probably ask Agent K, because I, I, I just realized that we don't see a lot of longtime Japanese devs who might be in crappy situations going out on their own. I wonder if that's a byproduct of being working in Japan, being part of Japanese culture. You know, I mean, you see American devs do it all the time. Mm -hmm. But I could see Kojima doing some really amazing shit on his own. And I'm kind of hoping that's what he does. Yeah, he could he could really, you know, the, the, let the floodgates open if he wanted to, really. Yeah, but it might be a double-edged sword. We might be trending away from a level of crazy U2 like towards a level of crazy McGee likes. And I don't want to speak of myself in third person, but come on, I played Cargo the Quest for Gravity and thought it was the fucking funniest thing ever. And I play Happy Wheels on a web browser. If you don't know what that is, go look it up. I didn't. I How Happy Wheels escaped me, I do not know. <laughs> but it is, it is, it's not for kids. It's called Happy Wheels, but I'll warn you, John, it's not for children. It's fun. Um, the last one I wanted to do, and this is kind of more of a public service announcement, and then we'll talk about... Oh, no, I do want to say something. One quick thing. Rockstar, another update on Rockstar GTA Five for PC. They are banning for mods. Now, idiots on Reddit and things are saying they're banning for cosmetic mods, but the last I checked, a mod that allows you to mess with your field of view so you're more competitive is not cosmetic. <laughs> so... This is why I said I'm not going to get into mods just yet until Rockstar figures out what they're going to accept for online versus offline. Because I want things I can turn off or be told to turn off before I go in online and get my ass banned. And I have been online at this point. I didn't do anything other than the starter tutorial stuff and run around and get screamed at by a guy who was robbing the ammunition while I was trying to buy shit in it, asshole. Um... But some of the stuff that you will be seeing on the internet where they're going, that's just cosmetic, I'm sorry, but when you're changing your field of view so you can see people out of the corner of their eye, that's not cosmetic. But the last one that I had for this week, guys, was... Are you guys aware that ESPN is covering esports to a point? Yes, I saw a thing where they're... They're showing some tournament on on ESPN on the something like that, and and <laughs> the comment that I saw was that, and they had a screenshot of of people playing a couple of games, and they said if this shows up in my plays of the week, I'm I'm, I'm never watching ESPN again. Yes, you ESPN is doing a very brave thing. I, I take it you're aware of it too, Glace. I I apologize, I didn't ask you. Oh no, I haven't heard about this. I knew yeah. that it's done stuff in the past, but. It's mostly League of Legends and COD, which I find to be uh, boring as watching paint drown a wall. Agreed. How people <laughs> find that entertaining. I mean, Kay brought up a good point in that he plays Smite, which is like the least MOBA of the MOBAs, meaning there's not people calling you curse words that even I couldn't dream up. Um, but he watches competitive Smite to learn new skills. 
And I used to watch competitive COD and Battlefield to kind of learn slight tactics or learn maps better because repetition, watching the map over and over again, or, you know, enough times. Uh, to me, some of the Daisy survival game stuff would be far more entertaining and probably take esports far further than COD will. But unfortunately, currently, any of those type of games and their tournaments are run by brain damaged hamsters. <laughs> it's not made for television, people. Point being, and I knew this was going to happen, along with what John said, that the sports jock people... See, I'm half. I played sports, I like sports, and I'm also a nerd. So, fuck all y'all. <laughs> um, Colin Cowherd is one of their radio personalities. Now, unlike that useless dickhead Skip Bayless... Cowherd occasionally comes up with stuff that's pretty thought-provoking and pretty well thought out. He's not just worried about his ratings, like Bayless and Bayless's partner, whose name's escaping me, Stephen A. Smith. So I have listened to Colin Cowherd on ESPN Radio working here around the office quite a bit. I missed this, but I'm not surprised by it. And I'm going to tell you now what he said. Basically, the headline says that ESPN's Colin Cowherd says he would quit if forced to cover video games. I want you guys to hear all of this before I say what I'm going to say. On his radio show, The Herd, today, ESPN's Colin Cowherd ripped the network for allowing coverage of the weekend Heroes of the Dorm. It's actually Heroes of the Storm. Way to go, Game Informer. During a rant that clocked in at around three minutes, which is light for him. Cowherd expressed his disgust for the tournament's appearance on ESPN2 and repeatedly vowed that he would quit if forced to cover video games. If I'm ever forced to cover guys playing video games, I will retire, Cowherd said today on his show, over a bed of the theme from Tetris. The radio host also took the opportunity to throw some insults the way of the participants, the announcer, and those who would enjoy ESPN's coverage, including a soundboard clip of Ogre from Revenge of the Nerds yelling, Nerds. Somebody locked the basement door at Mom's house and don't let them out, he said. I tagged out at Harry Potter. I tolerated Donkey Kong. I tell you what, that was the equivalent of th of their... Uh, wow, that's bad. I tell you what, that was the equivalent of their... Of me putting a gun in my mouth and having to listen to that. Unbelievable. You know what the funny thing is? Ooh. Listen to how intense they are. Those guys are totally into it. Yada, yada. Gamers, listen to me for fucking once. Do not fall for this. <laughs> he doesn't care. He is baiting you, and you took the bait. Or his, or his, uh, his producers are baiting you. Oh, no, this is him. He has done this so many times before, and it's what I find distasteful about him. It drives me bonkers. I would really like to live in a more black and white world where I either like and respect everything somebody does or dislike and hate everything somebody does. He's one of those people that a lot of times the dude has a lot of good insights and a lot of good things to say about sports. But when he does this Batum shit, like they do on their show ESPN First Day with Bayless and Stephen A. Smith, it's just so bad. But please, please, please ignore Cowherd. You, all you're doing is helping him <laughs> if you fall for this shit. That is such a rehearsed and such a scripted rant that he practiced in front of the bathroom mirror because he knew... He knows, and as does his producers, that gamers are so sensitive and so touchy. I mean, all it did when the first time I read this earlier this week was it made me laugh. 
I, I don't know about you guys. Were either of you upset or offended by what I read there? His his comments. Glaze. Oh, sorry, John. Go ahead. You were talking. I'll be upset by by the uh, the general opinion of some guy on ESPN Sports Center. No, I mean it's exactly what you just, what you just said. It's bait, trying to get people fired up. Oh, and he did. I saw Reddit threads. I didn't read them because I need all my brain cells I got left for booze. <laughs> yeah. You know, Glaze. I mean, the, of, of people whose opinion I value the most about gaming, I mean, <laughs> the ESPN newscasters are probably pretty low on that list. <laughs> this is, I mean, this is my mantra now. We need to learn to ignore this stuff. And people didn't. I saw it on my Twitter feed. I saw it on Reddit, at least just the, you know, the main page or the main page of our gaming. Or our video games, whichever it is. Which is a Glacier? They're both. I forget. I don't know Reddit that well. And I just saw people, I saw people in Gama Sutra ripping him for being so ignorant. And you just, like, you guys fell for it. He got what he wanted. <laughs> and he is a master at it. I gotta say, as much as I hate it when he does this and it detracts from the moments he's smart and engaging, he is a fucking class A troll. There are trolls I know on the internet that can't hold a candle to this dude and need to learn from him because he truly don't give a fuck. He is going to just sit there and bait you and bait. He does it to sport. He does it with people with sports all the time. Uh, it's just, I don't, I, but it does bring up the fact that whatever reason ESPN's doing this for, is any outlet a good outlet? I mean, we tried as as a game community, as a video game industry, to have our own channel, G4, and that turned into the most scripted, slick, California, L.A. people they pulled off the fucking street mess I've ever seen. I mean, is is this going to do enough good, Glace, for esports? Um, esports will have it today. I mean, it's probably not this week, but... No, but I mean it being put, hosted on something that's a traditional sports network. Is is that a good outlet? Mm, I mean, I mean, are are the outlets right now for sports even going to be relevant in ten years? So I mean, that's a good question. So yeah, I, mean, I, don't, I don't think it really even matters in the end, honestly. John, do I think do I think I'm, it, the, well, the question is do I think that it matters to? No, do it. Do you think it's right now here today? Do you think that I actually, Glace, I'll give you another shot because I didn't phrase it properly as is per usual. Do you think this is improving esports by being hosted by such a professional company that does a lot of actual sports? I think so, John. If they treat it in a, in a serious fashion, or at least a, a less a less trolly fashion, yes. I think the. I, Personally, I don't think the only the only reason why they're doing it is because of all the views and the and the time people spend watching um, watching Twitch and that kind of shit because they they know that you know they're they're, they're they need the viewers so we'll put something on that they'll watch and then call it call it a sport even though they maybe people who work there don't really think so <clears throat> they uh, they want the they want the eyes watching their watching their channel. Well, until very recently, ESPN. And their programming is one thing. And then their personalities is another. And they've given their personalities a lot of leeway 
until recently. I shouldn't have said that earlier. Um, you know, they've been suspending people for some things they've said. Uh, but it tends to be kind of two separate things. Now, what little I watched of it, because I thought that this, this topic might come up, it was really well done and in a gaming fashion. It was not ESPN trying to cover it like it was any other sport. It was more, in my mind, geared for gamers, although there were plenty of gamers that were bitching about it too. Okay. But I, it, it didn't feel like, you know, they were just doing... I mean, they're definitely doing it for the ratings. Come on. As much as I think competitive, most of the, the esports are just boring as shit to watch, uh, I regret, you know, I thought they did a decent job what, what little clips I was able to dig up of it. Um, so, because that's what a lot of people don't get about Twitch and YouTube too, is that it's not about necessarily showing off the game as it is being being uh, being a voice for some you know for somebody to listen to telling jokes i mean some of my favorite streamers and youtube people it's more because they seem like genuine people who are having a good time well okay outside of bike man he just trolls people <laughs> oh speaking of that glace you'll get a big kick out of this john i don't know if you'll even, I, I don't i don't know how what you'll think of it but it was funny bikus man he's bikus man on twitch tv or bike man you should follow him. He's funnier than hell. He's worth watching on streaming. The other day, Kay, um, Saturday, Kay told me, tune into Bike Man, dude. You got to see what he's doing. You know how you can spectate players, Glaze? And and what? In GTA Five, you know oh, No, I didn't know. No. Yeah, you can spectate other players when you're online. Okay. He was streaming <laughs> other players, spectating them. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> It was the most entertaining thing I've seen in a long time. He found this guy who was trying to break into the military base, which in GTA Online is a lot harder because you there's no gates to crash through. They're all impervious. You have to jump over the fences, okay? This guy tried, no kidding, a dozen times to break into the military base and failed spectacularly every, every time. Now, what makes this so much more awesome is Bike has his Spotify account hooked up so you can hear it over the stream. So he was playing inspirational music. He was playing, like, Chariots of Fire and the theme from 2001. He had Ride of the Valkyries on one time when the guy actually got in a jet. I never thought I'd see a day where I would tune into a Twitch stream to watch a dude play a game, and all I did was watch him watch somebody else. It was streamception, as they were calling it. It literally was inception. It was the funniest. It went on for 45 minutes. I mean, it was just the funniest shit you've ever seen. That, though, is the downside of Twitch when guys become popular. And I wouldn't say Bikist is the most popular, but he's got quite a following. A lot of his followers started showing up in the game and either trying to help or hurt the guy. More hurt than help. And then it kind of became a problem. I'm still not sure if the guy ever knew he was being streamed on Twitch. And I could see a case where quite possibly doing that could get you in a little bit of trouble. Because you're actually showing somebody else playing a video game that's not you. But, yeah, it... I never thought I'd see somebody do that. It was just, it was funny. 
And I, I don't know, Glacy, did you play much online? Uh, I played I played a little bit. Did you ever try and break in the airbase? Uh, no, I would just ride the bike around. <laughs> I actually finally did that. I actually finally went and did some mountain biking, and uh, I may shoot a video doing this, but I did real trials. Not Red Lynx's idea of it with pogo stick physics. I came off of Chiliat on a dirt bike and made my way down it in a technical fashion. It was still funny because <laughs> that fucking Mount Chiliad's so bad, you can't. I mean, I rode dirt bikes for years. I could, I still crashed a bunch of times. Then I robbed the liquor store at the bottom on the Sandy Shores. <laughs> um, so, okay, we still got a couple minutes here. So, John, what did you, you said earlier before, before we started the show that you and Peter had played something new this week. What was it that you and Peter got up to? Well, it was a game that's, that's new to us. Um, a few weeks ago, I mentioned that on PS3, they had a pretty good uh, spring sale where they were selling off some, some downloadable titles uh, for a buck. And the, game, and the games that I got at that time were, were uh, Pac-Man Championship Edition but, uh, and this one, uh, Ib and Ob. That's I-B-B-O-B-B. And Ib and Ob... Are, is a is a platforming game where it's a it's a cooperative uh, two player platforming game, where if you want to picture it, uh, Ib is this green little uh, blob with two feet uh, and two black eyes, kind of like kind of like a Pac Man ghost. Well, actually, Ob is a, is, a, is more is more like a pink Pac Man ghost with with two feet of black eyes, and Ob is like a shorter version. And so you play it together and you kind of cooperate to go through the, through the levels. Um, and playing with a different gravity, different different sets of gravity, and so the gravity works with that. It's just kind of a black line going through the middle of the screen, more or less. It kind of it goes up and down for different si- heights of of of, uh, of platforms and 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 I don't call it a mountain or not, but like a hill that maybe you can't jump up, but there will be a doorway that goes down, and you, you jump through like the portal doorway from the top half to the bottom half. And what happens is from the top half, your gravity is bringing you to that line, normal gravity. But when you jump through the line, gravity is upside down. So then you have to uh, traverse the level in an upside down gravity. And so what you kind of do is that you can, you can stand on each other and, and kind of, you know, the person underneath can jump and then and you jump off while they're at the top of their jump and get a, a, get a little boost for jumping. And, so enemies, like for example, to be this spider thing that's jumping up and down. And so on the on the top half of the screen, he's jumping up and down. If you touch him, you get killed. But on, on the on the lower half, there will, just, there will be this white dot that the other person can pop, say, and 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 get rid of the. Once they pop it, the spider's dead, and you can move forward. The um, and then and then and vice versa. You know, the the person on top may have to. Um, pop the ball and, and allow you to pass the spider without and you, usually you can walk underneath it because it's worth the weight and just look at the, at the at the pattern with which it's jumping but it's kind of fun to help each other out because if you pop the, the, the little the little white ball uh, you actually create some of these collectible squares that that, that appear um, I, I'm still not sure what they are whether they're currency or just for points or whatever but but they're there and because um, the game doesn't really have much of a HUD there's no score as such there's no collectibles as such it's just getting from from one end of the level to the other there isn't even like a 
like the transition from one level to the next is just you pass this uh, group of your friends, other 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 kind of equally nondescript uh, blobs with feet <laughs> of varying sizes and and, and abilities, uh, all kind of cheering you on as you as you traverse the levels, and and so as you come along to these different friends within the levels, like some might be tall that you have to kind of figure out how to how to get you know stand on their heads so they'll walk you across some spikes or. Uh, another one would be jumping up and down himself, so you both can get a boost at the top of the jump, and just the just, just small things like that. Um, we we got through like the first four or five levels together. Peter got a little frustrated when he was trying to get used to the gravity controls, because they also do some things that you might have seen in Portal, where where if you jump from a high height into a doorway that changes the gravity from from one direction to the next. When when you when you, when you like uh, you jump from a high height into the portal. And you and in the other half kind of makes you go high um, in a reverse direction. Once you come through and once you let yourself fall and go through the portal again, you you jump even higher. So you get a bit of a of a jump boost there. And so the the puzzles of each of each level kind of are, are getting a little more complex, and the the requirements for you to work together get a little more more um, demanding as well. So I'll have to say that you know Peter. Once Peter kind of got the knack of of how the gravity works, and and if you die, there's no there's no real penalty for dying other than you have to reset at the at the checkpoint, and the checkpoints are never very far away. Now the enemies come back if you die too, but uh, that are that that are in that within that checkpoint zone, uh, they all come back, and you have to try again. But it's not like like it's instantaneous. There's no loading screen. There's no lives, so that if you run out of lives, you get game over. You just have to restart that that section again. So it it, it actually works really well for playing with with a kid because there's no there's no um, stress or even if you got game over, you have to start from the beginning all over again. It's just keep trying and keep working together and figure out ways to do it and, and experiment as well. Because I noticed Peter was trying different things, trying to. Once you've realized that when you uh, when you die, you spawn as this little square at the top of the screen, and you fall down to where you were. You can make when you before you actually spawn that, that square can move around a little bit. So with with your thumbstick, and you can make yourself spawn in a, in a different location than you would normally would. So he was trying some different things to get past enemies before he even spawned. So it was interesting to see his his mind work with 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 a bit of strategy to see what he could do. To, uh, to make his life easier. Um, there's a one-player mode and an online mode too. So I I, I get the, I don't know if there's voice chat or not. Um, but if you don't, the right stick, the right analog stick, acts as kind of like a paintbrush, where you can kind of draw um, on the screen and and communicate to your your other player and tell them where you want them to be or go or or um, I, I guess there's voice chat. I mean it, I don't think the PS3 works quite the same as Xbox Live. Um, not because I, I don't know if I've ever did voice chat on PS3, to be honest, really. But the, you know, w- w- at least within the game, you can you can communicate that way. Um, I, I, maybe it's the same as something like Journey, where Journey doesn't doesn't allow you to do voice chat at all. It, it wants you to communicate only by mechanics of the game. So maybe, maybe it is kind of like that. Um, but we had a good time with it. Uh, it's very colorful, very easy on the eyes. Uh, the pace is is pretty easy. There's no rush. Uh, you can talk, especially when you're sitting on the couch together. So uh, so far in the first four or five levels, we've, we've had a pretty good time. Um, and other than playing that with him, I've been 
I think I mentioned last week about Mario Kart 8 DLC, the 200cc. So this past weekend, I spent a lot of time when I had a few minutes free to try to finish all the gold cups. I think, and I apologize if I if I mentioned that last weekend or last podcast. I don't think I did, but I definitely got all the gold cups now in the Grand Prix on 150, which unlocked 200cc Grand Prix and the Mirror Mode and 200cc. Now that I've played a couple of, a couple of a uh, couple of tracks, it's quite fast, and, and the dynamics of how you traverse the the tracks changes quite a bit because of your speed. For example. Um, you, when you do these, when you do your jumps, what would normally jump and give you a boost, um, especially the ones that kind of propel you, where you, where your your uh, your set of wings come out, like your your glider or whatever you have, that um, it, the speed brings you a lot further than you would have before. Like there's one spot in uh, one of the tracks um, where where in, in any other speed, you would, you know, you'd go up over the cliff and land on on the road, and right in front of a fence, and you have to make a right turn and make a sharp right turn around this fence and keep going, unless you have a unless you have a mushroom. But with 200 cc, it makes you land like right in front of that. You you can land right in front of that fence on this one weak point in the fence and bust through, and without having to make that turn. And it's, you know, it kind of opens your eyes a little bit more to some of the shortcuts and possibilities you have to. To uh, make those subtle uh, shortcuts that you need to, to really excel in, in, in Mario, Kart, Mario Kart 8, the um, yeah. So I mean, I, I haven't played a, a whole lot, but I've I've, I've played uh, several races now, and I, I enjoy it a lot. It's it is pretty hard. It's not. It's uh, you know the, the 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 competitive edge that the computer players have in Grand Prix is up to another another little notch. Uh, the blue shell is not as bad as it is in Mario Kart 7. I played that a little bit recently, and Mario Kart 7 is not very much fun. I'll have to admit. I when I opened it up and and saw that I had only finished half of the, I finished all the the 50 CCs and only half of the 100, and I was like, what was wrong with me? Because I mean, Mario Kart 8 I, I enjoyed so much and kept going back to it. Mario Kart 7 is not fun. The, the the rubber banding and the and the items and stuff are just it just keeps knocking you down and and, and slowing you down and what you know that's part of the game but this seems compared to eight for sure that you just get reamed all the time constantly and it's just it gets so annoying um but enough of Mario Kart seven um the Mario Kart eight uh the DLC pack I've played through the whole the whole uh, Everything it has to offer in terms of tracks and stuff. I like the new characters. I like the Animal Crossing characters. The um, and the and the and the new car and the new car thing and the new car uh, designs and 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 add-ons. It's quite the it's quite the DLC pack to tell you the truth. A lot of content in there. And, and this one final word on on the 200 CC. Um, shoot. Oh, it's making me realize very quickly that I I need to change my my design of, of cars like you can when you're when you select your player you can pick pick a, pick a the chassis of the car you can pick the wheels and you can pick the glider now the glider doesn't make much of an effect on your handling and 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 your and your um, speed and acceleration and stuff but the, the other two do and, and, I'm, and I'm quickly realizing to, if I want to drive the way I like to drive and that's holding down that trigger button um, to, to drift as much as I can as early as I can and I, because of the speed, uh, if you if you if you if your wheels aren't sticky enough, you're gonna 
you're going to skid a little bit too far uh, to the right or to the left around these turns. So I'm gonna, I'm, if I'm going to excel in later Grand Prix tracks, I'm gonna, um, courses, I'm going to have to get stickier tires, I think. But that's it. Place, jump in, jump in there since he ended with Mario, my, uh, Mario Kart 8. <clears throat> I thought he was just going to talk about Blob. I don't. I missed it. I was peeing. Sorry. Oh, oh, even Ob. I was going. I was. I was going to just t- talk about that, but then I realized that I did play a lot of Mario Kart 8. It's perfect though, because Glace, why don't you jump in with what you think of the DLC and all that? Yeah, um, I've been playing a few matches. Uh, I've tried 200 CC online and offline, and uh, I think the main thing with 200 CC is that you have to learn how to press the brake, <laughs> and uh, which is something that I never ever do in mario kart uh i mean when you when i play mario kart it's like go 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 i have the a button down the whole time you know i learned the drift so i never have to let go of the a button but in this i mean there's turns that it is physically impossible to make the turn without slowing down even if you have the best handling you know the best you know acceleration all of that so what you end up doing sometimes is you hold down the a button and you hold down the b button for brake at the same time so You'll you'll be you'll be you'll be swerving, and then while you're swerving and going, then you sort of like you move your thumb over really weirdly and just sort of like off and on press the B button, and it feels really weird on your hand because at times you, I mean you you have your left hand pressing controlling the control stick, uh, as well as potentially holding that down like a banana or a shell behind you using the L button. Then on your right hand you have you know uh, you holding down the A button as well as if you're drifting, holding down the R button. And then if you're going to slow down, then you have to move over and press the B button too at the same time. So really you're pressing one, two, three, you're pressing like six buttons when you're doing a turn at some points. And that can get really weird. And so you kind of have to learn how to use like, don't use the end of your thumb, but use the middle part of your thumb to press the A button. And so I really that's all I've been figuring out how to do with 200 cc is learning how to you know break correctly which is not something i've ever had to do before um i mean there are definitely some courses that are just not built for 200 cc at all and it can get get really chaotic but i mean that's i mean that's part of the fun is just people just flying all over the place um uh, in terms of the new courses uh i mean they're all great uh, i really really like the animal crossing one uh the four different seasons that they have it's gorgeous isn't it Oh yeah, it's great, and seeing it on the big TV and everything, and I mean, just the little nuances that they they added, like uh, like uh, when when the when the Zelda DLC came out, I mean, you collect rupees, but you you still collect coins, but they're the Animal Crossing coins. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, but they have a little star on them that the Animal Crossing coins have on, mm-hmm. and uh, at the bottom, your little your little symbol for them is a uh, is is the bell pocket that you get at Animal Crossing. And then also the, the music, too. Uh, I mean, I already talked about the music a lot before, but when you finish the Animal Crossing uh, race, uh, it plays uh, the, uh, the go-to-sleep music uh, in Animal Crossing when you save your game. So, I mean, I was expecting after I finished the race to hear like the normal, like, to the you know, Mario Kart music, but it got really slow and like this guitar came in and was like, da-da-da-da. I'm like, oh, wow, that's nice. So, I mean, I mean, all, and the same thing with F-Zero, of course. Uh, I mean, I think you have Captain Falcon like yelling three, two, one, go at the beginning, and they also have a his uh race his his cart, whatever it is, the the, the blue falcon uh flies in front flies in front of the uh the racers before you start like in the sky. And so there's all these little like little hidden things that make the maps like fun to look at each time. 
which uh, I think past Mario Karts really haven't capitalized on that as well. I mean, the maps may have been fun, but it's just you're just sort of going through it, not really looking at anything. There's no scenery really to enjoy. But these, all these maps have been great at looking at stuff. It's funny listening to you guys talk because one of the things you learn in playing like more realistic racing games is that momentum is key. It's so hard to teach yourself to slow down for a corner and that the entry and exit of a corner is far more important than the actual speed you're doing in it. And that really sounds like what 200cc requires. You know, like I could I could see from what you're saying, Glace, that like tapping the brakes to get the speed down to a certain amount as you enter a corner, rolling through it with throttle a certain extent and then just powering out of it so you're not going so fast that you get sideways or drift would probably do the same thing. Um, I've won some races on in GTA where that is the only thing that saved me because some of those cars are so freaking touchy. You know, and, and I think that adds an awesome element to, to Mario Kart because when I've played Mario Kart by myself, have, being a fan of more realistic racing games, I've always gotten bored of it. Or even the Sonic one, that the Sega one that, that Pat and I played. I got kind of bored of it because once you figured out the right button combo, it was pretty easy to beat most of the tracks, even on hard. But that's that's kind of cool that, that 200cc's making you change up your game and it doesn't sound like from listening to either of you it's frustrating to the point where you don't want to play it anymore it just takes some getting used to which is always a nice balance well i mean it's hard to get frustrated at mario kart because i mean even if you do amazing in a match you know you can get blue shelled and then it's all over so i mean i even when i have games where i come in last place like i don't really rage as much as i would in another game because it's you know it's mario kart you know stuff stuff happens well yeah you do have the aspect of of weapons to a point i haven't done any of those in gta online yet (laughs) so are we good gents should we get the hell out of here yeah i'm good i'm all right i'm good okay if you'd like to get in touch with us we have a ton of ways you can do that the first is our facebook it's WonderPod online WonderPod online shoot us a friend request we drop links there we, I post when the show's done, which will be here in a couple, three hours after we're done recording. Uh, we have a website. It's wonderpotonline.com, wonderpotonline.com. A lot of videos they, these days. Go check out the videos or go over to the YouTube channels, whatever floats your boat. Uh, I post the podcast there. The reason that's important is because I post it with an embedded player so you can listen to it on a web browser, as I like to do sometimes. Um, you can find us on iTunes. Just search WonderPod. If you don't like iTunes, we are on archive.org. And that's also the best place to get our entire catalog. Uh, let's see. YouTube channels. Hey, Glacenator's got a YouTube channel. I've got a YouTube channel. Bruce McGee YouTube channel. Um, let's see. 36Wii YouTube channel. The Olivia Made This YouTube channel. I think it's Chris Did This YouTube channel. I actually looked last week, guys. Believe it or not. Uh, I was just trolling through YouTube. Uh, let's see. We have a Twitter account. It's at WonderPod Online. At WonderPod Online. And none of that does it for you. We've got an email address. It's WonderPod at WonderPodOnline.com. WonderPod at WonderPodOnline.com. Or you can follow me on Twitter at O-R-I-G-I-M. Or you can follow John on Twitter. At John Keogh. J-O-N-K-E-H-O-E. Hit me Until episode 253. I'm off to fight the comic kitties.
See you, people. Cheers. Goodbye.